There's not like a God. Oh, he need be any worker. If we say we own your mia, oh, he need be any worker. Edo sheva maradi geshene mahatose, lebras keva madan dili hatose vahabahadas, repe keva ni mashan teligo shebredes tevalahasas. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It looks like I'll be turning this way more. Oh, Jesus. So, um, the theme is the anointing. My assignment here this morning is to, uh, you know, just share something briefly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, yeah, news. So, hallelujah. Right, right, right. So, man, as God has made, the Bible says that in Genesis 1 20 says, the Bible says that God said, that, Let us make man. In our own image, after our likeness, continuing, it says that male and female created he them. Hallelujah. But we realize that there wasn't any man until in chapter 2. When the Bible says that there arose a mist from the earth and fell on the earth. And the Bible says that he formed man out of the dust of the earth. Hallelujah. What it means is that God pays attention to spiritual matters before physical matters. Hallelujah. Now man as a spirit is not the originator of any action you will ever be involved in. And that is why from the very onset he says that let us make man in our own image after our likeness. For what? So that we will grant him dominion. Let him rule in the affairs of the earth on our own account in our stead and it was a spiritual conference on a man hallelujah so until a man comes into convergence with the spirit of God or with another spirit that is why where the spirit of God is not operational in a man's life there is room for any other entity spiritual entity to take place hallelujah amen and so the anointing begins the very day a man comes into the beloved. The very day a man will lift up his hands and confess the lordship of Jesus. That very day there is a convergence and a congruence of a man's spirit with that of God. And a man must emerge out of this meeting with the anointing. How be it the Bible calls the spirit of God the anointing. In 1 John chapter 2, from the verse 20, it's, it refers to the Spirit of God as the anointing. Hallelujah. And he says that this anointing will teach you. Jesus, before he left, he says that I'm not going to leave you interstate, 
But the Spirit of God, who is the comforter, will come. But he will not only comfort you, but he will teach you and he will guide you. Ladies and gentlemen, what he meant was that you are going to do everything you will ever do only in association with the Spirit of God. And that is when a man is operating with the anointing. When we say a man is operating with the anointing, it is not just a man who says touch and a person falls. It is not just when a man says I can see. It is not only when a man begins prophesying. Let me see a woman as well. But when I say a man, it is, you know, generic, right? Hallelujah. And so, the anointing goes beyond a certain manifestation that we have come to term as the anointing. The anointing first and foremost is a personality. Have you projected the first John 2.20 for me? Let me start from the Gospels. This one idolatry is showing. Hallelujah. I want them to see it. Or I should read it. John 7, 38 and 39. The Gospel of John, not the epistle. So that we can all read it together. The Gospel of John. If you've opened... The Gospel of John. So let's all read it together. It says that he that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, from within him shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. But this he spake, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him were to receive. And there is a colon there. He's trying to explain what is happening here. He says that, For the spirit was not yet given. Semicolon. A continuation, but they're still explaining. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Go back to the verse 38 for me. Let me read it for the last time. He says that, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, from within him shall flow rivers of living water. Then in verse 39, he says that this he spake of the Holy Spirit. Then he further explained and gave, gave a disclaimer that the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. But in this our time, the Holy Spirit has been given. What it means is that a man must come to a place where the rivers of living water are flowing out of him. It says that out of thy belly shall flow streams of living waters. This ASV, right? King James will say, out of thy belly shall flow streams of living waters. And when we speak of the belly of a man, we are speaking of where there is the response and reaction of a man's spirit. A man's spirit reacts and responds in the belly. That's why the, the, the scriptures refers to the belly whenever the, spirit, the, the scripture wants to refer to the spirit of a man. But we deal with chest and heart issues when we deal with soul issues emotional issues. That is why when you have broken heart, you, you feel the compressions in your heart. All the palpitations and all that. You feel all those things in your heart. Obisha before you. Hallelujah. 
but the reactions of the spirit unlike the soul which is found in the chest or in the heart is found in the belly and he says that there is going to come a time where the spirit of God will be given there is going to come a time where the Holy Spirit will come and dwell with you and in those times out of your belly will flow streams of living water and all that was said was to mean that whatever the Holy Spirit has brought inside of you in Revelation, the Spirit of God is referred to as the living river the, the, the river of life hallelujah so when the Spirit of God comes into a man and a man must flow out of his belly the streams of living water what this simply means is that you are manifesting the Spirit of God and that is the anointing at the inception of the Spirit and the reception of the Spirit of God what a man would do in together with the Spirit of God is a manifestation of the anointing if you explain the scriptures doing so in conjunction with the spirit of God what he is doing is dissipating and manifesting the anointing if a man will sing as the Holy Spirit will inspire him what he is doing is a manifestation of the anointing hallelujah amen amen are we picking something are we picking something? Hallelujah. You can now give me the first John. Now that I've handled the gospel. Now, John actually um, portrays Jesus the Christ as a God, a God man, the Godhood part of Jesus. That's what we see in John. Hallelujah. So when he says you are going to receive, he knows what he's talking about. First John 2 20. 20. Hallelujah. And he says that, and ye have an anointing from the Holy One. What he's saying is that you have an influence from the Spirit. The Holy One there is the Spirit of God be referred to as the Holy One. He says that, and ye have an anointing. This anointing is not the personality anointing, but he says that you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. 21. He says that I have not written to you. Flow with me, okay? I think we'll go to verse 27. He said, I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and because no lie is of the truth. 22. Who is the liar but he that denied that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. Verse 23. He says, verse 24, or John to 26. Says that these things I have written unto you concerning them that will lead you astray. 27. He says that as for you, the anointing which you have received, what did you actually receive? The Spirit of God. Is it so? This particular the anointing there is a definite article. So the anointing. He says that which you have received of him abided in you. And ye need not that anyone teach you. But as his anointing teacheth you. What is his anointing? He said he was going to give his spirit. So his spirit. He says that as his anointing teaches you. Concerning all things and is true. And is no lie. And even as it taught you. Ye abide in him. Ladies and gentlemen. 
if a man must express the anointing, a man must come to a place where he's continually aligned. Jump ahead of me, look for 18. A man must come to a place where he's, he says that, the Bible says that in the Gospels that when Jesus was going to be baptized, the Bible spoke nothing of the Spirit of God until he was submerged and brought out. Now, when he came out, the Bible says that the heavens were opened and there we see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove or as a dove. They, they, they are all articles used to do similarities, right? And the Bible says that then a voice tended. But when this voice tended, you see, he, the Spirit of God has just come and a voice tended. But the next thing that will follow is what will allow the anointing flow. Most of us, we have the Spirit of God inside of us. The personality of the anointing is inside of us already. But the next step is what will allow the anointing to be manifested. It is what will allow the anointing flow. The Bible says that after he has been baptized, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And he fasted there to be tempted of the devil. And the Bible says that after his temptation and after he has passed, most of your problems and your woes and your worries will arise because you have received the anointing. After it had been declared, this is a prophet of God. The Bible says that behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And to further make matters serious, the Holy Spirit now descends and there's a voice that tenders from the heavens. Says that, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You have received the Holy Ghost. Your, your high heel broke your watch got torn. Hallelujah. You fell under the power of the anointing and you were convinced beyond every reasonable doubt that you have received the anointing. And to make matters serious, after that particular experience, you entered a place where you realize that you are beginning to manifest the spirit of God. You are beginning to do things that only the anointing can allow you to do. The anointing is God's empowerment on a man. And God's activation in a man to allow a man do what God will want a man to do. Something that only God can do, but a man with God can do. That is why a man of God and an ordinary man, they are not the same. A man of God and an ordinary man, they are not the same. And that is where I, I, I usually used to um, rebut the whole issue of call no man father. And you are calling a man of God your father. Have you not heard the scripture says that call no man on this earth father. This, this, the scripture say call no man of God the father. Anyway. It's just by the way. Where was I? Where was I? Yes. So after this that had happened everybody has seen oh this could be the Messiah. Look at how glorious his own baptism was. Look at how he came out and the heavens shone. Look at how the voice tended from the heavens. Look at how John the Baptist, a whole John the Baptist, 
who is now referred to as a Baptist because he has done the baptism so well. A man so revered. A man that was not living the ordinary way. Not wearing the ordinary dress. Not eating the ordinary food. Not living in an ordinary place. The Bible says that when, when, when he came out and the voice tended, they all heard it. They all heard it. Such a man to say that I am not worthy to unloose the lashet on your shoe. This is what the man is saying. It means you are higher than him. And to make matters worse, when you came out, a voice from the heavens had declared, This is my son. In those times, they could not even boldly say that I am a child of God. And they are hearing a voice, not of man, but a divine voice declaring, This is my beloved son. I love how the, the adjective was used. He said, this is my beloved son. He did not just say, this is my son. He said, this is my beloved son. You have come to a place where you were prophetically spoken to and everybody got to know that you have an anointing to heal. You have an anointing to prophesy. You have an anointing to teach. You have an anointing to work miracles. But all you can see is one trouble after the other. The Bible says that after this particular experience, he was led of the spirit into the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights without food. The Bible says that once upon a time, he was very weak. And when Satan reckoned that he was actually weak, he said, young man, you have the power. You and I know you have the power. Before this place, what any wine into a water into wine? You have the power. You can do this thing I'm about to tell you about. But maybe why dream mass? What's up? Daniel Boy Abodonidi. This is common sense. This is tomb. You have the power. Make it bread. Eat. The other ones, I see them as unnecessary. That was a low tactics. A man that has just been told that you are my beloved son. And a man that you yourself know that he is a son. You are referring to him as so. And you tempt him. I will give you all this. He already knows that. Beyond every reasonable doubt. Worship me. I will give you this. He already knows that. He already knows that. But it had to be so. So that the scripture that says that he was tempted at all points. So that when we are tempted in any particular um, sphere. And we are tempted in any particular point. We will not say that Jesus did not go through this. He had cheated. But it's actually fair. The Bible says that he went through all these 40 days. Fasting, praying in the wilderness where the sun is at its peak. Do that calculation. And the Bible said that he endured all this. I remember I was doing some three days continuous fast. And then my father came. He said, get in the car. We went to Papa's Pizza. He bought pizza. The pizza was on my laps and they were taking. They were taking. They were taking. Oh my God. I cannot take this. <laughs> and imagine him going through all this. He had the power. And you said, come with you. Now we are fasting because you can't buy food. He could. There was food in the kitchen. 40 days and 40 nights. We are fasting one day, no one breaking and saying, I would die. 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says that 
give me the previous verse where it says that he came in the power of the spirit verse 14 he says that and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee this is Luke writing and for him to use this particular way of communication I love English this particular way of communication he did not say that Jesus said he came in the power which means that they witnessed it they could see it they could testify that it is true he said and Jesus returned in the power this is a reportive speech right and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee and a fame went out concerning him through all the region round and about. Let's come to the verse 18. So he enters into the synagogue. And the scripture says that as it was his custom. He was given the scrolls to read. And as purpose will have it. You are here by divine purpose. Hallelujah. You are not here by mistake. You know that. You are not here by mistake. Bible says that as the custom would have it. He was giving the scroll, which was Isaiah 61, right? This is my Bible. So. <laughs> Luke 4, 18. says that, then he started reading and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He had sent me to, and he says that recovering of sight to after the command he says that to have you realized why he uses the word to, 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 to let's come back to English again to is an example of a preposition what is a preposition preposition what he was saying is that the anointing has now allowed me to be prepositioned in a place that now I can preach good tidings to the poor. What is preaching good tidings to the poor? If I prophesy miracle money to you, I'm preaching good tidings to the poor. Because preaching good tidings is preaching good news. And the only good news to the poor is that you will be let out of poverty. If I preach good news to the sick, it must be healing. If I preach hope to the hopeless, it must be something that will give him hope. Preaching good news. What is good news? Good news is receiving what you have not. He said that the anointing has prepositioned me, has positioned me in a place to preach good tidings to the poor. He had sent me. It's, it's amazing that preach good tidings to the poor came first. You know, whenever they spoke of him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was a place where the poor and the sinners were. They were considered as unclean because for you to be poor, then it means God has left you. So you're unclean. You have nothing to offer. What are you talking about? So, Messiah, Messiah, Jerusalem, Messiah, Nazareth. And that is what the anointing does. When the anointing comes upon you, he empowers you to deal with the first weakness in your life. He empowers you to deal with the first weakness in your family. I don't know what situation is in your family. I don't know what you are battling.
battling with in your family. I don't know what other family members of yours are battling with in the family, but you have escaped because of the anointing. But I prophesy over your life after this place, in the name of the Lord Jesus, whatever was a limit, whatever was a barricade, whatever was, was something that man will contend with in order to see the glory of God in your family, in your workplace, where you live, in the name of the Lord Jesus, you are receiving that anointing that will release them in the name of the Lord Jesus. You are released, you are receiving that empowerment to power them to walk out of whatever it is in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says that he received an anointing to be prepositioned in a place where he will preach to the poor. Let's look at the next thing. He says that he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. You know, actually, all these people are poor. You know that? All these people are poor. If you are held captive, you have no money for lawyer. Yeah. So you are in prison. It says that recovery of sight to the blind. You can't even see the optometrist. Obeshka. You understand? There's a colon there to show that what he's saying is connected to the poor. He says that he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. Move to the verse 19 with me. You are preaching with me. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now do something for me. Move to Isaiah 61. And if you can get King James for me, right? You are from a family where everybody at a point in time complains of the stomach. Everybody at a point in time, I, I, I cannot find the right man. I cannot find the right woman. I cannot find the right job. I seem unhappy in everything I do. And they are moody all day, all week, all month, all year. You are receiving a certain grace upon your life. And God will not just use you to liberate your siblings. Will not just use you to liberate your mother and your father. But he will use you to liberate your tribe. He will use you to liberate your country. This anointing that he received. He did not receive it just for Nazareth. He did not just receive it for the people of Galilee. Because he entered Galilee. When the anointing came upon him. He said the spirit of God is upon me. Because he has anointed me. The Proof of the anointing is that you are with the Spirit of God. Are you with the Spirit of God in this place? Are you with the Spirit of God in this place? Or oh, give me a wave if you are with the Spirit of God. What it means is that you have unprecedented power inside of you. Let me do this before I come to Ephesians 3. But give me Ephesians 119. He says that Give me verse 18 first, so that it will be nice. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You know why he started with this? Until you know, you can't receive. Until you know what the whole thing is about. Until you know what you have. If I deposit money into your account, and there is no notification to let you know, and if I don't tell you to know, no SMS to let you know, no email to let you know. You'll be walking about asking for the same money that you have in your bank account. He 
says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, being flooded with light, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. Continue, he says that, and what is the riches of his glory, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19, he says that, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us world who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Mighty power, exceeding greatness of his power. All those things are forms of power in Greek. Iskus, Kratos, and which, which one? Dunamis. He says that what is the exceeding greatness of his power? He was speaking of the dunamis inside of you. Then he talks of the mighty, the working of his mighty power, Iskus Kratos. When he says dunamis, what he's saying is that God has invested his power inside of you. But this form he used, he uses here is dunamis. What is dunamis? Dunamis is from the word dynamo. And dynamo is an explosive power. Power that has been muzzled out together in a device or in something so that it can explode. And when it explodes, that is when you see the extent of the power. What he's saying is that God has invested his power inside of you. When I, whenever I read this scripture, I feel on top. God, all his power, he has invested his in, inside of me. Hit your belly, say, I have the power of God inside of me. Say, I have the power inside of, inside of me. Say, I am filled with power. I am filled with power. And just very soon, just, just very soon, say, and just very soon, I'm going to explode. I'm just going to explode in Jesus' name. Let's go back to Isaiah 61. All the power of God invested inside me. God has a reservoir where he keeps all his power. And we, when we search the address of the power, we come to him. All the power that God will need to govern this earth. He said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. So he created man in his own image. Male and female created he them. That was his, just his image. But in the forming, he now forms after his likeness. Not just resemblance, but in manifestation, in operation. Last two years, I said something. I said that it was oil and water. I said that there are offices in God. One office is God the Father. When we say offices in God, we are talking about places where there are operations from God, by God, through God, and with God. So, there is an operation, God the Father. is a certain office in God. As God. There is God the Father. And it is one operation. Then there is God the Spirit. And that is another operation. But when we get to the Son, 
The Bible says that he's the express image of God. To show something. That any image must express God. Any image of God must express God. And the Bible says that, and it pleased God that the fullness of the Godhead would dwell in him. So another operation and another office in God is God the Son. What does he mean? It means that God the Father is all of God here invested in the Father to carry out fatherhood duties. The God the Spirit is all that of God invested in the Spirit to manifest the power of God. God the Son is all that is of God invested in the Son. But ladies and gentlemen, once upon a time, this man that had the power of God inside of him. All of God inside of him. The Bible says that he hung on a tree. He hung on a cross. And after this particular assignment and responsibility and duty that he performed, we also received the fullness of God. What does that mean? Another office of God has been created. That is why Ephesians chapter 4, I think um, verse 6 there about, don't go there. You'll read Isaiah soon. I'm finishing. So you can check on your... I've not seen anybody with Bible. So on your phone. Ephesians chapter 4. He says that God... He says that there is one hope, one blah, blah, one spirit, one Lord. And he says that there is one Father who is above all. He was speaking of God. In you all. Explains a certain walk where God walks in man. He spoke, he spoke about different kinds of work in all his renditions of the epistles that Paul wrote. He spoke of the autopedio, the emperipateo, and all those things. And this particular place, he spoke of the work of God in a man. That is God operating through a man. So all that God would do through the Son, He would do through us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? Let me hear you. Hi. Isn't that amazing? They said, Paul, we know you are a prisoner, but we have a message for you. There's something going on on this ship, and we want to let you know. We are about to suffer a shipwreck. And he says, it won't happen. I'm here. It won't happen. My God has given me a way. This shipwreck won't happen. We won't die. We are not going to die. Man tells us he's also. That is the kind of place God is putting us. I'm taking my time here so that you understand. That God has placed you in a place where you can silence the turbulence. In, in I think Luke 4, 39 or so. Jesus was with the disciples and there was a storm. Is it Luke 4, 39? Mark, Mark 5, 39. And he was asleep because before then he had breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Before then he had empowered them and they went out and they came and they said, Master, Master, you don't know. When we went, Evil spirits were running in your name. When we went, the sick was healed. When we went, the dead was being raised. And so Jesus thought, 
I've taught these people. They can handle this. And he was asleep in this boat. And the Bible says that a storm arose and they began panicking. He said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? He got up, said, Peace be still. Then he addressed their faith. What is faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I cannot comment on your faith until you have come into contact with the word of God. What Jesus was saying is that you know all that you need to know, but you have not activated your faith. You have not allowed the faith to operate because the word has come. What is left is the operation of the faith. Isaiah 61. This is what the prophet said that um, Jesus read in Luke 4 18. He says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prison to them that are bound. Give me the verse 2. It says that to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. But when he got here, he got mute. To comfort all that mourn. Verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Then he said that they might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Ladies and gentlemen, the anointing of God upon a man is not to allow a man be glorified, but to allow God be glorified. But you see, when God is glorified through you, because you have allowed the operation of the Spirit of God, something more comes to you, right? And that is when it becomes possible for a man to be caught up in the praise of men instead of giving his own praise to God. Because whenever a man ascribes praise to you, he has raised you. Because in every praise is a raise. So if I have raised you, God doesn't need to raise you. That is why he resisted the proud. What is, what is pride? It is yeast in bread. Pride is yeast in bread. It is gas in coke and mort. That is pride. He said that he might be glorified in the verse 3. It says that, and they shall build the old ways. Hey, the anointing of God on you is to empower you to erect something for God that no man has ever erected. To bring hope where men have failed God. Catherine Coleman speaks of her story. And she attributes it to the fact that someone failed. And that was the reason why God picked her up. Somebody's failure ended up in her own failing. So somebody failed for her to be failed. So that she can be used. He said, to build the old ways. They shall raise up the former desolations. 
your anointing, the anointing God is giving you is to release liberty into your family. To release them from every oppression. To release them from every suppression. To release them from every captivity. The Bible says that when Daniel got to know that according to the word of God, they are not supposed to be in a place of desolation for this long. The Bible says that he began praying. What he was doing was working. The Bible says that God is not righteous, that he will not reward the, the work that we do in secret. And this he spoke of prayer in our chamber. And he began praying. And he began praying. What he was doing was activating the power of God. What is activating the power of God? Activating the power of God is allowing the anointing to manifest. Because in his time, it was not dwelling with them. It comes upon and goes. So he needed to make it happen. Tell him, He said, let me finish quickly. He says that, and they shall repair the waste cities. The hope of Ghana is in our hands. He says that, the desolation of many generations, the desolation of many generations, I came here to announce to you that there is a power of God inside of you. Not a power. Let me use a definite article. There is the power of God inside of you. And this anointing that is on you, just like we see from the scriptures, it is to, to. That means to pray, position you. In Psalm 92, he says that, My horn shall thou exalt like that of an unicorn. And what he was speaking there, he was talking about authority. What is authority? Authority is you using the anointing. Because when you use the anointing, what you are doing is that you are allowing the Spirit of God to operate. Let's be on our feet. You are allowing the Spirit of God to operate. And that is you exercising authority and dominion. He said, my horn shall thou exalt like that of an unicorn. The anointing of God is to empower us to exercise authority and dominion. And it is to empower us to rule. Wherever you cannot rule, wherever you are not seeing power being released from your hand, in the name of the Lord Jesus, as you walk out of this place, I prophesy over your life an activation and a manifestation of the power of God in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you've never spoken to any ailment to disappear after this place, your hands are being empowered to release healing. Your hands are being empowered to work miracles. You are being empowered to set at liberty them that are held in captivity in the name of the Lord Jesus. I speak to a prophet in this place. I speak to a teacher in this place. I speak to a pastor in this place. In the name of the Lord Jesus. May you receive an anointing that will empower you to do that which you have never done before in the name of the Lord Jesus the Bible said under the agency and the operation of the Spirit of God which is the anointing Elijah prayed and instituted the law there isn't going to be any rain or dew according to my word and the Bible said that for three and a half years there was no rain there was no dew and the Bible said they had to reach this man whenever you exercise 
exercise your authority and dominion by allowing the manifestation of the anointing what you are doing is that you are aligning to the power of God and bringing yourself to a place where the people are cajoled forced made to understand come to a place where them that they themselves will come and submit under the power of God they came to him and they said the king came and for the king to come democracy a, a, a government of the people by the people just lift up your hand and you are declaring the name of Jesus that in the name of Jesus as you walk out of this place may you walk and manifest in power like never before in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I am walking out of this place in power. I'm walking out of this place in glory. I'm walking out of this place exercising authority and dominion in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Clap your hands for Jesus. Amen. I believe that you are blessed. Amen. So if you are blessed, you are coming to give an offering to the Lord. Go into your purse. Go into your pocket.